and welcome back to livealittlehigher.com. This week we read Parasha Teruma, and uh, this is a beautiful parasha. It really encompasses a whole purpose of us living in this world, why Hashem created this world. And Rabbi Itzhak Ginsberg, in his book, The Inner Dimension, he gives a beautiful explanation of the two mitzvot that are enumerated, the two primary mitzvot that are enumerated in this parasha. So there are two commandments in the opening passage to the Torah portion of Terumah. Terumah means contribution. And the first commands the Jewish people to take a contribution. It's asking the Jewish people to give half a shekel. And the second is to construct the tabernacle in the desert, the Mishkan. Uh, the tabernacle was this structure that followed the Jews throughout their 40 years in the desert. And they used to uh, put it together and take it apart and carry it with them in their journeys. Later on, this tabernacle came to the land of Israel. And eventually, uh, King Solomon built the, the Beit HaMikdash, the first temple, and then later on, it was destroyed, and then 70 years later, it was built again, the second Beit HaMikdash, which was destroyed by the Romans. Until now, we've been in exile, uh, waiting for the third temple when Mashiach comes. So let's go into this parasha and understand what Hashem wants from us. And it says that at first glance, the first commandment that is asked from us uh, we would think that it's what we need to be able to, to build a, a, a Mishkan. So first it's commanding us to, to give, to take a contribution, and then it's telling us to build this Mishkan. Because it says, they shall take a contribution for me, followed by the details of the materials to be contributed to the tabernacle, and then Hashem says, eh, you shall make a sanctuary for me. So uh, the order suggests that the contribution that the Jewish people were commanded to bring bears inheritance significance. You, we know, we've learned that the Torah has no more words or less words. It's exact. It means what it says, and it says what it means. It, it's straight to the point. And uh, here we see that both commandments must be observed for me. So both commandments, they say at the end, for me. So there's something very important here, that what it's saying is that contribution, that when we give a contribution, it should be Leshem Shamaim, it should be for God, when we give tzedakah, when we give of ourselves, it should be for Hashem. And also, when he asks them to, to build a sanctuary, he's also saying for me. It also should be Leshem Shamaim. So God is omnipotent, omnipresent, he's infinite, he's, he was, he is, and he will be, and uh, before us, he existed, and if one day we don't exist, he's going to continue to exist. So what is this whole thing that he desires from us? What does he need from us? Why is he asking us for these things? So the sages teach us that his purpose in creating us, the whole purpose of creation, of creating a world, creating vegetation, minerals, animals, all the creation, human beings, is to make a dwelling place for him in this lower world. So this is why he commanded us to construct the tabernacle. This is the meaning of putting Jewish people to use materials that are mundane materials, gold, silver, copper, leather, linen, all these materials that were used to build the Mishkan that are material objects, 
Hashem is asking them to use them for Him. So from our limited human perspective, we can sympathize with the idea that God wants a home here. So He gives us all this world, He gives us all this, this uh, material abundance in the world, and um, you know many religions think that material, the material world is anti-spiritual. Like either you're a materialistic person or you're a spiritual person. So a person that's spiritual usually shuns the material world, runs away from it, and a materialistic person is attached to the material world. But the Jewish, the Jewish religion, I don't like to call it a religion, the Jewish relationship with Hashem, the way Hashem envisioned the world is not one or the other. It's not that you become materialistic or spiritual. You don't have to choose. You can make the material spiritual. Our job in this world is to bring heaven down to earth. So we might think that God commanded to bring a contribution for me, meaning that he wanted to achieve a final result to make him a sanctuary without the gold, silver, copper, and all the materials he used. How could we build the altar, the foundations that held the border, the boards, or the wash basin, which was made out of the copper mirrors that the Jewish women used in Egypt? Uh, how can we make uh, all this sanctuary, all this home for Hashem, if it wouldn't be for the material uh, things? So you shall take a contribution for me. The Zohar makes a cryptic statement for me, means that by giving a contribution, we are taking God himself. What, what does this mean? So when we're giving of what we have, when we're giving our money, which is so raw and so materialistic, you know, with money you can do the, the best things or the worst things. When you take your possessions and you give them for Hashem, this is what it means that you're bringing God to you. So the angels describe the vision of Ezekiel, of the divine chariots, uh, in constant movement. When you read the, this Haftarah, you see how they were in constant movement. And there's a concept in Hasidut, in Kabbalah, which is Ratzoveshov, which is run and return. And this is a concept that this is the energy that moves the world, this energy is within us, it's outside of us. When you see the ocean, the waves go, go out, they come in, they go out, they come in, you see the tide, it goes up, it goes down, it goes up, it goes down, it's day, it's night, it's day, it's night. It's constant movement. The world is not static. The world is constantly moving. You look at your body, it's the same way. You have lungs that are breathing air, the air in and then they're expelling the air. You have a, a heart that pumps blood in and pumps blood out. It's constantly moving. And it's this, this concept of Ratzoveshov, our soul also needs to go up and come down. And, and the, the soul, which is considered like the candle of God, in Proverbs it says the soul of man is a candle of God, Really, if you look at fire, it's always striving to go up. Always trying to go up. If you turn the, the candle upside down, you're gonna see the flame is always trying to go up. The same way our neshama, our soul, is always trying to attach itself to the light, trying to go back to its, to its source. So it says that pertaining to our human souls, uh, our soul is always alternating uh, and trying to get out of the body. It runs thirstily towards, it, 
towards its heavenly source in God, and then it has to return to the body. And, um, and we see that if we don't do this, then the soul take, gets out of the body, and that's the end of, of, of our life in this world. But Hashem doesn't want us to be attached to the source. He wants us to go get inspiration and come back to the body and, and be able to, to live uh, in this world, elevating it and making it a dwelling home for him. So when a person goes to sleep, for example, the soul is wandering. It's, it, that's what it's doing when, when you're sleeping. The soul is attaching itself to its source. That's why when you say, when you open your eyes in the morning, the first thing you say is, like, thank you, Hashem, for returning my soul to my body. Because the soul needs during the night to attach itself to its source so it can come back during the day and be able to, to have the inspiration that it needs to be able to fulfill his mission. So raising a contribution to the tabernacle is an example of the upward run of the soul. Contribution, teruma, is derived from the verb to elevate, lehairaim. By giving away a part of our livelihood earned by the sweat of our brows, brows to worthy cause, we raise ourselves. Every time that we give our, of ourselves, we're raising ourselves up. And so while running, the vector force points upwards, aspiring to reach God. Then the soul returns, runs, and rises towards infinity. For me, it relates to God's personal essence that is elevated above all worlds and beyond all his holy names. The upward run is important as long the inspiration you're going to get, this like Shabbat, Shabbat is a day of Ratzo. It's a day that we're running to our essence. We're running to connect to, um, to Hashem. And then when Shabbat finishes, it's the, the, the Shov. It's a coming back to the world to work the six days. But the inspiration that you get on Shabbat is infusing you with the, the, the power and the strength to be able to fulfill what you need to do in this world the next six days. So the upward run is important because you need to be recharged, to be re-inspired, to be uh, again full of energy to come down and do your work. And as long as it's motivated by this intention to return to the mundane reality that God wants you in, uh, to be able to reveal the purpose of the world and to reveal godliness in everything in your life, then this, this, this is important. You need the razzo to be able to come back and do the shof. So without this in initial intention, the soul will eventually be nullified in its source. So if a person goes up and is inspired, and he's so inspired but doesn't come down to the world to, to fulfill whatever he needs to do, then it's not fulfilling the mission and the soul can get out of the body. It says, they say that when the Lubavitcher Rebbe used to give his talks on Shabbos, on Shabbat or on Yom Tov, the Hisihas, he used to grab himself from a handkerchief because he, he used to get so lofty, his soul was so, so trying to get out that if he wasn't grabbing himself to the handkerchief, he could have not come back. And so this is the whole uh, idea that without this initial intention, the soul will eventually be nullified in the source, like a raindrop that falls in the ocean and you can never find that raindrop. It's part of the ocean. 
So this is the greatest pleasure a person can experience, a soul can experience. Yet as we rise in, in our upward run, we bump into God who has another purpose for us. He doesn't want us up there. We're useless for him up there. He needs us down here. So this brings us back to the second commandment in Parashat Erumah, which says, they shall make me a sanctuary and I shall dwell within him, within them. So this is the whole point of, um, of our existence is that we, we live our lives intentionally. We live our lives in which everything we do, we have Hashem present, we're doing for him. This is something that we, we have to train ourselves to do. Like if we're eating, for example, you're not just eating. You have to stop for one minute and say, okay, thank you, Hashem. Thank you for giving me this delicious food. Thank you for, for giving me the energy that I need to be able to fulfill your Torah and your mitzvot. And when you eat in this intentional way, then you're always going to be satisfied. You're not only nurturing your body in a wholesome way, but you're also elevating the sparks of godliness that are contained in this food. So for me, Li is spelled with two letters, the Lamed and the Yud. And the Rebbe Nachman of Breslov thought a beautiful uh, ex ex explanation about this, about this me, for me, Li, which means that the Lamed represents the lower wisdom and the Yud represents the higher wisdom. And for those of you who know the Hebrew alphabet, uh, the Lamed is a letter that is long. It's very long. It's the longest letter in the alphabet. And it starts with a line here, and then it curves here, and then it goes down. And um, it's, a, it's like a tower soaring in the air that aspires to reach infinity, yet its feet are grounded. It's in the ground. Its name Lamed, that letter, the name Lamed means learning. Lamed. Limod, which alludes to, to, to which lamet, which means learning. And then there's this word limod, limud, which alludes to the generous heart, which is lev, that gives a contribution, which begins with the letter lamet. So the yud, on the other hand, is a, the tiniest letter of the, of the Jewish alphabet. It's a little tiny dot that has like a little crest on it. It, it has like a little crest and then it, it, it drops a little bit, but it's tiny. And so it's the smallest letter. So you have the, the, the longest letter with the smallest letter and it descends from above and remains suspended in the air. This, this letter doesn't touch the ground. So its form resembles a point which symbolizes the pinpoint of inspiration that flashes into the mind from the source of wisdom. So the intellectual faculties are chokmah bin adad, you have wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. So this, this letter, the yud, comes from chokmah, from wisdom, that's that little speck that comes out, that little dot, and that that little drop is bina, which is understanding. And so it brings the learning into being able to be understood. So a teacher-student relationship exemplifies these two letters, uh, these two types of wisdom. The Lamed represents the student's heart aspiring to internalize. It has the head in heaven and the feet down here, but it's reaching out, it's reaching out. It wants to learn, it wants to, to be inspired, it wants to grasp knowledge. The youth represents the teacher who must present his teaching in a way that will inspire his student with wisdom. Without the student's aspiration, 
the teacher cannot hope to inspire him. So the teacher is there. He's there to teach. Teachers are there to teach. They're waiting for their students. But if the student doesn't want to learn, then there's no way that you can give your knowledge. And so the order of this relationship between the student, which is the lame, and the teacher, youth, forms the word for me, li. And this is what it says, that to give a contribution for me, to build a mishkan for me, because Hashem is there, he's ready to receive, but we have to be willing to give. And so elsewhere in his writings, Rebbe Nachman of Breslov relates the parable of the heart and the fountain. He's always used to write these beautiful parables. And somewhere in the world, he, he says in this parable that somewhere, somewhere in the world is a heart that longs to reach the fountain. And the fountain also longs to reach the heart. Both of them are yearning one for the other. And so despite their longing for one another, making the connection is not such a simple matter. The heart is the student who wants, who wants to learn, who has the thirst of, 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 of the fountain of wisdom. And the fountain of wisdom is the teacher who is ready to go overboard and, and, and give away what he knows. So he, be, he wishes to bestow his wisdom upon his student. So the heart and the fountain unite when the lamet and the youth form the word li. You need both. You need the student and you need the teacher. You need the teacher and you need the student. One without the other, this, this li for me cannot be accomplished. So as mentioned, the word for me appears twice in this passage. And the first time is in the commandment, take for me a contribution. That sounds very strange. When you give a contribution, you don't say take for me. You're actually thinking, oh, I'm giving to them, right? But here it's say take for me. You're taking from yourself. Like when a person gives sedaka, he's giving his life. He's giving his hard-earned money away. His, his, his sleepless nights, his suffering of, of making the parnasa, of, of, of making this money. He's giving not only the money, he's giving everything that went into making this, this possible. So the second time in the commandment, and you shall make a sanctuary for me, double, doubling the word for me, Lee alludes to Jacob's blessing to his son, Judah. Your eyes will become red from wine, which includes the word haklili. Haklili. This unique word contains the lamet and the youth twice. Lili, which is, a, is an interesting combination. And the sages interpret this word, teaching every plate that tasted the wine of the Torah says, it's for me, it's for me. So the Torah is the fine wine that flows from the teacher and aspire, inspires the student. Satisfy, satisfying his yearning. So Parashat begins with a commandment for every generous heart to give a, a contribution, like the student's lamet, which is the lower wisdom, and we must first aspire to God, to God by sacrificing something of ourselves. So the tabernacle was built on sacrifice. People were giving of, of themselves to build this tabernacle. But when they're giving to them, to them from themselves, they're really giving to me. Because at the end of the day, when you're giving to Hashem, you're giving to yourself. Because the Jew has a neshama loki, it has a godly spark. And so when you give, 
when you give of yourself, you're really giving to Hashem, but at the end of the day, you're giving to yourself. So, so the commandment to construct the tabernacle for the divine presence is a fruitful result of that aspiration. And this corresponds to the teacher's youth, higher wisdom, as it is the sense to inspire the student's heart. And by running towards God, through giving our donation, when we're doing mitzvot, we're running to God, we enable our return, our shof, to the mundane reality that surrounds us. And in that way, we bring Hashem with us into our daily life and we reveal Hashem in this world. And in this way, you make a dwelling place for Hashem within you. Because he doesn't say, make a tabernacle for me. He says, build a, a mishkan, build a, a sanctuary so I can dwell in you, in you. It's interesting. And so, yeah, how do we have God with us? How do we aspire to grasp Hashem? How can we have a connection to God? And it's through us fulfilling His will. And when we do His will, we're connecting to our will, which is in essence, is part of God. So I wish you a blessed week. We're entering the month of Adar. It's a month of, 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 of blessing, of joy. And uh, it says that we have to increase in our joy in this month. This year is a double year, a leap year. We have not 30 days of Adar, we have 60 days of Adar. So it's double joy. And, and, and how do we, we increase our joy? How can we be happier today than we were yesterday? And in reality is that when we recognize that we are, we are an extension of God in this world that we're through our efforts and our job in this world, we're bringing godly revelation to this world. The more we know about God, the more knowledge we have about Hashem, the more we connect to Him, the more joyful we will be. And so if you make a dwelling place for Him in you, there's no way you cannot be happy, happier. So Rosh Chodesh Tov, you have a blessed week and live a little higher. Thank you.